thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauli and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Enjoy the journey. That is what is often said in this business as there are ups and downs, but at the end of the day, it's a lot of fun. Our next guest has taken a long and winding road to get to where she is now, but she has certainly enjoyed that journey. I'm excited to have our next guest, Michelle Kajuwari, Senior Vice President of Premium Business at Staples Center and AEG. Michelle, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much. I told you to stick to Kaji. 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 That's a Michelle Kaji. That's what we're going to go with. Well, very excited for our conversation today. And I know you're always full of advice. So I led the podcast off by talking about the journey and just willing to enjoy it. So why is it so important for people in this business to truly enjoy that? Because the only moments that really matter are the ones that we're in right now. And I know that that represents a journey, um, but it gets you to where you are and it also provides you a lens for how you're going to approach the future. Um, and so um, the journey is, is super important, but I really try to focus on, you know, just what is in front of us right now and, and appreciating all of the things that got us here, right? And then being able to frame that in a way that provides us better resources for crafting our future. But there's just so little that we actually can control in all of this that um, that I really try to just center on like what's what's happening now and um, and just trying to be honest and true with who you are and 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 making decisions that feel good in the moment, regardless of how that might shake out in the future, because eventually it will if that's authentic to who you are. So that's kind of the way I look at the the journey, um, if you will. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned there, you're like crafting the future. And there's certainly a lot of ways to get into this business and, and to get to that journey and that future. And there are many unconventional routes. And you took one right out of college and received experience before ultimately landing in that sales role. You attended University of Southern California, received a degree in communications, and your first job was actually in the entertainment industry. And so what did you think you want to do looking back then career-wise? Again, I'll, I'll go back to what I what I just said in that I didn't know. I honestly had no idea what I wanted to do. I studied communications at USC because I knew that 
that was a great way for me to connect with people, which is ultimately what I found myself wanting to do in, in all of my career moves. And so um, having that communication background and then moving to um, New York, but then also starting in entertainment, these were all just kind of um, things that coalesced around wanting to be in an energetic atmosphere, wanting to connect with people and wanting to have some creativity around what I was able to do on a daily basis. I never knew what was going to be coming at me when I was in entertainment. And I think that is what's kept me so um, motivated in all of my career is not so much the what it's the, like the why, right? Like why, why do you do it? It's because I like to just be spontaneous. I like not knowing I like being uncomfortable. I like coming into a situation where it's like, this is a unique day, figure it out. You don't know who you're going to be, but there it is. Yeah. Just so anyways, that's kind of um, the way that I looked at, you know, entertainment specifically was just this is a great vehicle to be able to connect with people, be in a really dynamic place and space that uh, I think a lot of people wanted to get into because you think Hollywood and L.A. and a lot of us living in California wanted to, you know, just naturally gravitated towards Hollywood. And so it kind of checked that box as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I had no idea what that was going to set me up for. But again, every decision I made in that moment without thinking about the future impact has impacted my future significantly. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to think about, okay, what am I going to do five, six steps from now? Like enjoy, enjoy it right now. Everything will fall into place and your good things happen to good people. And you then ultimately make, you know, you're talking about the Hollywood and the California then you make the cross country move to the Big Apple in New York and you start working at, at Chelsea Pier first in public relations and then into sales. That was kind of your first you know, transition into sales. And so first, how difficult was it for you to make the move cross country and, and what advice do you have for the listeners on being willing to move or move away from your quote unquote comfort zone? Yeah, so that's something I talk about a lot is getting out of your comfort zone. And when I moved to New York, there was no internet. There were no real, like the cell phone situation wasn't fully sorted out yet. Like you don't have those resources. And so we were looking at my friend and I, who I convinced to move with me. We had no job. We had no contacts. We had no apartments lined up. We had suitcases and we had ambition. And it took us months to figure out where we were going to land. Forget about the job. We just needed a place to stay. We needed a uh, tri-state guarantor. We needed all these things that we didn't have. And we'd show up at these apartments because we found a little newspaper clipping, yep. circled it, super old school, and got behind all these New Yorkers that were like, beat it. Like, there's no chance <laughs> you're getting this apartment, right? right? All these realtors and brokers, and you're just like, oh my God. And I just remember after like a month of literally sleeping on a park bench in Central Park one day because we couldn't find somewhere to sleep that night. So we were exhausted, fell asleep on a park bench, slept at a YMCA, crashed at a waiter's house in a, in a disgusting bunk bed. (laughs) We had nowhere to go. Uh, We finally dug up a relative of a relative of hers, crashed on their couch for a little while. And then it was like a month in and we were just hitting the wall. And then it started, we were sitting on our suitcases and, uh, and it just, it started raining on us and we were just so beat down that we had to laugh and we're like, all right, we're going to give this one more week, Yep. one more week. And then we just have to pack it up. Like, but we gave it our best. Um, you found so a way. We found a way. 
And eventually we found a, you know, five floor walk up. We had to break our couch in half to get it through the front door, reassemble it on the other side. We slept in an Ikea bunk bed for a year. Nice. It, the room wasn't big enough for two twin beds. Back to those college right? days. But we weren't even in college. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the best part about it. I know. Right. So we were like, oh, God. And, um, you know, so it was really hard, really hard to break into New York. And thank goodness I was there for four years. I equate so much of people's journeys to a four year span only in so far as your first year at it, you're a freshman. It's a struggle. You are so out of your comfort zone. You have no idea what's going on. Sophomore year gets a little bit better. A few more friends. I'm equating this now to New York. Junior year, the job is firing. You're actually making money. You might be dating somebody. Things are really going well for you. Senior year, you own it. It's awesome. And then get the hell out. It's gone. You're on your own now. Yeah. Like you've graduated. You gave it four years. That was an extensive education. It gave you enough time to go through all the certain sort of phases of of growth. And so um, any advice I think I would give on the heels of moving to New York or moving anywhere, it's certainly easier now, trust me, than it was back in the day. Even the little things you have internet so you can look at realtor.com or Zillow to find places. Yeah, you can get a job before you show up somewhere. You can do things in a little bit more of a, a you know, intentional way than just showing up and being like, we're here. Yep, right, right. like, we don't care. You know, I think that's a key, you know, one of the keys in this business, right, is passion. You obviously had a passion to be successful. And to, to our point earlier, you found a way. And you even as you look back at your time there, that was kind of your first, you know, intro into sales and the catering business. And you think back to that time, what are some of those key learnings that you still apply to your every day? You know, I didn't have any formal sales training. I really just fought my way to get into a job that um, would provide me a little better earning than doing the public relations that I was doing at Chelsea Piers. And so I got into the catering sales and, you know, it was just kind of a, a crash course in figuring it out. But the thing that I always fall back on is just be a, be a human, be real and try to, again, connect back to whoever it is you're talking to. And in the space that I was selling, it was weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs, trade shows, galas, screenings, food shows. I mean, you name it. And the, you know, the dot-com industry was booming. So we were doing a lot of like, you know, wall street, we were doing a lot of tech and it was just a lot of money and a lot of really um, elaborate events. And I remember walking through one Saturday, I used to book eight appointments in a row on a Saturday to meet with families that were, you know, coming in to look at the wedding space. And I just remember there was like an entourage. It was like two families, huge families on the bride and groom side with friends, with all these other confidants that were coming through the space. And it got a little bit, uh, contentious. It got a little, aggressive because everybody had an idea about how they wanted to spend this $250,000 for a wedding, right, right? In our space. And back in the day, you know, and even now that's so much money. And, uh, and it was just so, um, the, the level of tension was just so high. And I just stopped everybody in the, on the hallway floor, walking into the ballroom space. And I said, guys, can we just stop for one second and appreciate that we're here because we're celebrating something yeah. and this should be fun and right. this should be exciting. And we all need to come together without all of our preconceived ideas about how this should go. Cause it's about two people 
And it was like, everybody could just breathe easier after that. And I think even, yeah. And even in the sales process now, it's like, we get so caught up in like, how long, how much, what's the return? Who else has it? Who am I competing with? You know, all these other things. And you bring all these decision makers with you that have a lot of different ideas of how this should go. And it's like, sometimes you just got to like, stop the process and say, let's just get a drink and get to know each other and focus on the fact that this is meant to be fun. Selling entertainment, this is not rocket science. This is not meant to be something that has everybody so at, you know, on edge and, and, you know, it just taking that moment and what I've learned from Chelsea Piers and what I still do now is just when things just start to get down a road where it does become a little bit too, um, I guess, aggressive or just where it gets a little bit tense, just remember what we're doing and why we're doing it. And let's just take a beat and have some fun and get to know each other and enjoy the process. Going back to your original statement, it's like, there's a journey that we're about to embark on, but in this moment right now, we need to just have some fun. We need to appreciate the moment that we have this amazing ability to talk about spending money on something, you know, that a lot of people don't get to do. Right. So let's just awesome. Get some perspective. It it is. It is all about the perspective. And you know, so as you're sitting in New York, nine 11 occurs and you move back to California, you start your career at Staples center as a premium service manager. And so as you think back to that time, you know, how did that role come about? Was it always in your mind to get into sports and ultimately get back to California? So, uh, it came about because I moved back to California, was actually in Thailand when 9-11 happened. And ironically, um, the guy that I was dating at the time, his birthday was on 9-11. So he had to make, make a call back home to check in. And that's when that's how I found out, which is crazy. And so then, yes, after after that all happened, I packed up everything from New York, moved back to California, um, did a lot of temping because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to just take any job. Um, Eventually my mom had connected up with some uh, friends of hers and they said, what's Michelle doing? She's like, I don't know, but I think she should work at this place, Staples Center. My mom's been a longtime season seat holder of the Lakers. And she goes, this place, Staples Center is amazing. And, you know, she can run around and it, you know, it's very fun and it's got a lot of energy. I think Michelle would be great here. I don't even know how to get her in, but like, that would be kind of cool. Just flippantly said that. And the person she was talking to said, I know somebody there. Why don't you have her send her resume over and we'll see what happens. So they they forwarded my resume um, to Chris Cockrell, who I still work with now, all these years later. And the role that was available was for a premium uh, service coordinator. And, um, you know, through a, a lot of conversations and a lot of, you know, sort of pain, I accepted the job. It took a pay cut. Um, I took a title cut. I was doing something that I thought was, you know, a little bit remedial based on where I was because I wanted to be in sales. I wanted to control my revenue destiny. And I felt like, what am I going to do with this service job? But I, something in my gut said, just get in, get in, see what you can do. This company seems amazing. This platform seems amazing. The people seem amazing. So what else could you, you want? I mean, I know you want the money, but like go earn it. Um, And so I took it and um, that was the best decision I have ever made. It was not because I was thinking about it or I was crafting it in any way. It was, it felt right. 
came, came together about through a series of just people identifying and looking out for like each other, really. Yep. And my mom specifically just right. being out there like, I don't know what, what she's doing. Do. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you, you never would have thought you'd still be with the organization 19 years later. And, you know, and I know throughout the years, you've been called with a lot of opportunities. What do you feel like Staples Center and AEG does so well that helps retain top talent like yourself? They're progressive and they're focused on the, the people and making sure that um, we have a home base that will provide all of the opportunity that you could possibly ask for and will support you in a way that can help grow your career and connect you to people if you are patient, if you have a strong work ethic, and if you can apply yourself in a way that creates a brand for yourself within this structure that, that aligns with our culture. And I look to my left and right all the time at my colleagues that have been next to me for like 19 years plus, right? Yep. And, yep. and I'm so encouraged by that because we all chose a path without knowing where that was ultimately going to lead. And things didn't happen when we, you know, it doesn't always happen when you want it to. But if you're patient and if you trust your leadership and if you trust the process and you trust yourself, um, I think that you can receive significant gains. And because our company has changed so much, I've been able to change within that framework. Nothing has ever been stagnant. We are continuing to build. We're continuing to expand our platform domestically, globally, our footprint of people and of venues and of content continues to amaze me. And I think that's one of the biggest drivers of, wow, I just, again, I don't know what's going to happen on any given day. And that's exciting to show up and be like, hey, we're going to build something in China. Hey, we're going to do, and I've been there now and we've taken clients there to London and China. And like, that's incredible. And, and, And I would have never thought that 19 years ago as a service coordinator position yeah, opened up. Yeah. You know, and, and through obviously to your point, you know, AEG Staples Center is much larger than just, you know, the Staples Center in LA, although that is busy to say the least as well. You know, it's host over 250 events a year, more than 4 million guests annually. Events range from Lakers, Clippers, the LA Sparks, LA Kings, Grammys, live music, family shows that the list goes on and on. And so, how do, your, how do you and your team go about prioritizing? Because there's so many different vari- variables that are coming in and out. Yeah, it's tricky. We mm-hmm. have an incredible service team uh, that schedules our service team and our events team, right? So we have two different buckets of suite holders, contractual suite holders and event by event um, members. And so we always have a manager on duty to look after uh, both. And so we always have somebody on hand to take care of any special needs and to make sure that our members are taken care of. And we always have a point person in that way. We always have somebody from sales as well that's doing prospecting. And so on different nights, our team will be calculated in, okay, I have somebody coming out this night. Let me see if I can get 
the rest of my prospects to come on this same night. So we're not there 250 nights a year. It's impossible to do that. And we are trying to manage burnout, mental wellness, which is a big topic of conversation. And I think there's a pre and a post COVID mentality that we are grappling with where we used to just kill ourselves. I speak for myself mostly. And, and I know my team does as well because we're all so laser focused on being the best that we can. And with that comes a certain degree of FOMO where, yeah. oh my God, I wasn't there. And like my big client showed up. And world. You know this, it's like, yep. you don't want to miss anything. Right. And so you just beat yourself up, trying to be at every event and then showing up the next day and grinding it out at the office and then being at the next event because you got that call at 5.30, you're like, oh my God, I'm back. But it's trying to not um, be at the mercy of what's going to happen in that building because something will happen on any given night. Yep. You have to pick the nights that you're there and make the best of them and know when you are close to burning out and or reaching your level of being ineffective because you haven't gotten enough sleep. You're not showing up in best self. And now you do that person that you're talking to and yourself a huge disservice by being this complete burnout who hasn't like regrouped to come back in a meaningful way and give something to that conversation or that phone call or that whatever it is. And so we're really working through that now in this kind of post COVID, we know you can work from home. What do you gotta do to make yourself the most efficient um, person that you can be professionally and personally? It's both. You it's having the balance. Both. You just I- have to. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Michelle Kajawari, Senior Vice President of Premium Business at Staples Center and AEG. And Michelle, you're 19 years at Staples Center. You've held seven different roles, and the majority of time was certainly spent in the leadership chair. So what do you feel like you've done on such a consistent basis that's been able to help you get promoted year and year again? I think when you say, what have I consistently done? I think it's just being consistent. Yeah. In everything you do. Like, Just be consistent with everything that you do. When you have a great energy and a positive attitude, do that every day. Do that no matter what interaction or what exchange or what's being asked of you. Have a good attitude. Work really hard. Right? Like always have that hustle. Be 
voracious about learning and about growing and recognizing that you are never going to have all the answers. You know, I think that the level of consistency that you can have in the way that you show up gives everybody a real comfort level of this is a professional, this person, like I know what I'm getting every single day. Right. And I think that when you can um, be really uh, authentic and you can do it consistently you know, I'll never forget the best compliment I ever got was somebody um, that was sitting with me in my sales pit said one day, like, you know, I actually can never tell who you're talking to on any given day. It could be a family member, a friend, a client, a boss, a colleague. It could be anybody in your ecosystem, but you speak to them in the same way, with the same level of enthusiasm, with the same curiosity And with the same passion that like that level of consistency across 19 years, people see that and appreciate that. And then they start to bet on that, right? In the same way that we can bet on ourselves, like other people know that's consistent. It's like, you know, I don't want to equate myself to like a stock or bond, but it's like that thing will provide X return every single day. That's what you want to invest in, right? And so that's how I look at like, yeah, the consistency. And I love the advice. Yeah. It's just being consistent in everything you do. And, and that's a you know great story. And to your point, right. Great compliment where I don't know who she's talking to because everything's just consistent. That's how she treats everybody, you know, regardless. And so, you know, as the senior vice president of premium business, you're at Staples Center, AEG, but also in charge of the Microsoft Theater and the StubHub Center. And, you know, one of the unique things about you and your team's role is, is there it's a standalone department and not necessarily a specific team and entity. And so that certainly brings great opportunities, but also challenges. So how would you describe your overall process of, of selling all of those, but not being a part of you know, each of them either? Yeah, well, I think what's really important, and I'll make one little one little correction, is I used to work actually at the Home Depot Center, which was then the StubHub Center, which is now Dignity Sports, right? Dignity Health. So um, lots of uh, naming rights changes, but that's where the Galaxy and Chivas played um, when I was there, and that was under my purview. Now it's just Staples Center and Microsoft Theater. Um, but within Staples Center, and to your point, we are so unique because we represent the building and we represent AEG. So our premium group does not fall under the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, the Sparks, the Galaxy, that like we don't roll into a team necessarily. We're kind of this standalone that represents all of the access that happens in our building. And so the way that I think we've been successful at doing that is trying to, A, nurture the best relationships that we possibly can. We have a lot of partners and especially during COVID. um, And I look at all of my colleagues um, and how they had to interact with all of the teams, the county, the state, the, all of the guidelines, like there were so many participants in how we were going to create one unified process and protocol. But that's also how it works in our building is you know, you have to have this sort of blank canvas that is malleable enough to accommodate the uniqueness of each team and each artist that comes through the building. And to a certain degree, we all have to be in lockstep around what's interchangeable, what's static, right? You have different partners, you have different everything. So the building takes on a different energy 
depending on who's playing or performing. And so I believe that the success of our building and of our team in being able to operate in a way that um, embraces all the uniqueness of our partnerships is that we just have to do a good job of over communicating, being very transparent and getting uh, a collective buy-in, if you will, around what we're doing and how we do it. And, you know, a lot of it is just, it happens on a daily basis. And I try to coach this all the time, no matter how sure you think you are on something, just always cover your ass. There's yep. so many people that we have to consider in all of the decisions that we're making. So just make sure that you've checked all the boxes. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Well, everyone knows you, know, Michelle, in, in the LA, it's crowded and it's more ways than one, you know, traffic, the amount of sports teams, the amount of entertainment opportunity, which provides that unique opportunity. And more importantly, I know it's always been very important to you and you've kind of talked about the value of people and training and development. And so what is your advice to leaders listening out there on the value of preparing the team for not only obstacles, but also the willingness to be to pivot and be flexible with everything you're doing? I love that question because pivot was a big word that we used during the pandemic. Um, we, we created these, these pandemic P's and pivot was one of the biggest ones. And the way that we were able to do that is because we had, I believe, great relationships with every member of our staff going into this, that level of trust again and transparency and their ability to lean into, we don't know what's happening, but we trust that you do. So tell us what needs to happen and we'll, we'll do it. And our, our crew elevated in such a way during the pandemic, the numbers are staggering, the number of touch points, engagements, activities, the amount of presentations and the way we were able to sharpen our skills during you know this time where we're now so virtual that we used every single thing. We were doing a million webinars. We were leaning into you know every you know podcast, every um, session that we could around whatever topic because we were just trying to be sponges. And so right. when you look at pivoting and when you look at coaching a team through making a huge 90 degree turn during something that is completely unknown, it has to start with trust. And that is a foundational building block. It's actually one of our value statements, but trust was everything. They trusted that whatever we were going to, and that was pay cuts. That was um, furloughs. That was trust us that we are going to do everything we can to fight for you and to get us through this and to get us on the other side of something that is catastrophic, yep. both for our members and for our staff, very parallel conversations. But that trust only comes from building relationships and getting to know every single person on your team and how to uniquely have those conversations. And then you got to make the time to do that. So we were talking all the time during the pandemic yep. and we were really wrapping our arms around each other and listening to not just professionally some of the devastation but also personally there's so many things that were happening in everybody's life that were so much bigger than what was happening to them on a professional level and so that's that's the biggest piece of advice I could give is if your team doesn't trust you then you have nowhere to go you really, what are you building on? Right. Um, 
And so I'm, I'm so incredibly proud of our leadership and our staff and the way that we were able to come through this and then be able to just, again, make another pivot. Like we're back and these guys have hit the accelerator like nothing I've ever seen. We're almost back to the revenues we had pre-pandemic. It's it's pretty remarkable. So I hope that answers the question. No, that's a ton of great snippets of advice in there from, from trust to investing in yourself, investing in your people. You know, something early on, you said you were on a million webinars. Well, that certainly transitioned, Michelle, because you and your team have crushed goals and you've able to hit over a hundred million dollars consistently on a yearly basis. And so what do you feel like you and your team have done you know, a hundred million dollars is not easy to come by and that's consistent yearly over and over. How are you guys having so much success? I believe we have a lot of success, not because we don't have great business plans, uh, technology, strategy, support tools, all those things. Um, but I believe, I believe it's because our team is in this for something bigger than just a paycheck. And I believe that our group has really um, helped create a culture that celebrates each other all the time. Every single day we are have we have a sales trail and every single sale we see and you know there's always the like hell yeah way to go you hit your goal like we celebrate each other and we appreciate each other and we are each other's biggest fans. And I think in that spirit, all ships rise. And when you know that, and we just went through this exercise, when you know why you do something, and if it's something that can manifest in a way that's bigger than just, you know, the job and doing the thing, you're more, you're more motivated. You're more, and then the money comes. I'm not saying it's easy, but all the processes are in place, right? Like they're dialed in. Everybody knows what they need to do. But when you can add a little element of fun or passion or purpose to why you're doing any of that stuff, it becomes enjoyable and it becomes something that like, you know, has another energy force around it. And I feel like that's the ultimate amplifier of talent. And I feel like that's what we have in our room. And I just love so much when we just are celebrating each other and everybody knows not even just celebrating, but also encouraging. Like when somebody's not having a good run, it's you got this man, let's go. I've got you. I'll pick you up. Let's go on a meeting together Let's have a conversation. Let's go get a coffee, forget work for a minute. You're struggling with something personally. Tell me about that. Like what's going on. And I feel like that's the depth of our group. Um, and, and that's what is more sustainable than some of the challenges and the things that have come at us that we can't control. What we can control is our energy and how we show up and how we support each other and how we try to elevate everybody um, and not just ourselves, yep. right? There's no room for ego in, in, in our team. So No, absolutely. That's awesome. And, and obviously, congrats to all your successes. I'm sure it'll continue year and year again. And, and Michelle, staying kind of on track you know, with people, you know, no different than why you agreed to be on 52 Weeks of Hustle. You love to give back. You're a mentor to many. You're very active and wise, which is women in sports and events. And so why do you believe that you know, the, a value of mentorship and, and being part of WISE, it's such a good resource for females in this industry. 
giving back is one of the main pillars, philanthropy and giving back education, training. That's another pillar, you know, um, having team building and camaraderie and then just diversity, equity and inclusion. These are four things that are really important to us on an annual and daily basis that we really try to focus on and make sure that we are giving resources and attention to consistently. So giving back is really important. We work in a hundred million dollar plus industry. We're asking for millions of dollars. We, you know, are talking about currency, like it just grows on trees sometimes. And it's really important to, again, come back to that perspective point and giving back and humbling ourselves um, in this industry that we call premium seating is so integral to us being um, more appreciative of what we have what we're asking for and what we have a responsibility to give back. It yep. doesn't feel good if all you're doing is, is getting. You have to give to make that feel like you've earned it, like you deserve it. And when we are dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that like down the street, there's a kid that just needs a backpack and a good game of like hopscotch. Yeah. So every time AEG and our company does an incredible job of this, every time there's a season of giving or there's an opportunity to like donate or there's a family that we can, you know, put our arms around and do something meaningful for like, you know, it is an email blast to our entire team. And it is a call to action that it has an expectation that give what you can. It doesn't matter the amount. What matters is you gave of your time. You gave of your resources to somebody that needs it more than you and somebody that is going to appreciate it sometimes more than the people that we deal with on a daily basis who have incredible resources. And that's not to say that they don't also do that. We have very generous members um, as part of our premium family, but it is really important for our group. And it is really important for me as an Asian woman to give back to and try to be a face and a voice and a representation of what's possible. And because that didn't exist when I was coming up, I'm more acutely aware of where we just have maybe some blind spots and maybe we have a deficiency in leadership to where, you know, you can, you can help somebody, you can encourage somebody. And I'm not, changing the world, but I am trying to have some conversations. I am trying to have help somebody have a better day. I am trying to give somebody a leg up where you now they might not have it. So it is really important. I'm part of WISE. I'm part of another organization um, for women called Chief. Uh, they just had their, uh, I think LA was their, their newest um, division. But again, that's just about women helping women. And that's just one area that I can help. And it's yeah. certainly not exclusive to women. It's help everybody be a resource um, and, and give back of your network and your time and your energy because it comes back to you. Don't do it because you expect it to come back. Right. Do it because it feels good and because that's the right thing to do. The right thing to do. But you got to know that like that's an energy that's now out there. It will come back. It's going to come back. Yep. No so, so do it. Yeah. Well, on behalf of everyone, you know, thank you. I, I know that's very important for you to, to volunteer, to give back, to be a mentor of many. And I'm sure after this podcast, you'll probably get hit up several times. So I, I appreciate it. I, hope so. I, I certainly do as well. And, and I know, <laughs> you know you've had such a great career over 20 years of experience, such a fun journey. 
obviously let's just listen to this podcast. You can hear the passion in your voice to, from being successful personally and professionally. And so as you look back, Michelle, what's been your best memory? My best memory over my career or my best memory at Staples Center or let's go career. Let's go career. Let's go career. Oh my gosh. There's been so many, but I, I, I've got to say for at least in, in my recent career and, um, and one of many big, big, big moments and memories is just everything around Kobe. Like when you talk about all of the things that we've keyed in on in this conversation around working hard, having a, a, a you know, positive attitude and energy, giving back to people, being passionate, like these journeys and all of these things intersect at, at Kobe for me and for so many people in, um, in Staples and AEG in our building and um, everything that he did literally from the moment that he came to the Los Angeles Lakers to um, his legacy now has just been so incredibly impactful. And you can just spend years unpacking all the things and all the gifts and all these little crumbs that he left for us to design a better life and a better world and a better career and how to be just a better person and a better human. And, you know, there's the 81 point game. It's the retirement, it's the championships. It's that dog game in the middle of the season that nobody gives a shit about, but Kobe, right? Like it's all of those things that you string together and you go, what a remarkable human being. And if I can extrapolate just a shred of what he was able to do and what he could represent, then what a legacy I could leave and I could have um, in this world. And so for me, it really eclipses around him and his journey and his life and his yeah. legacy. That's awesome. And certainly a great experience throughout the entire career. And so Michelle, Awesome. This has been great. Ton of great <laughs> advice. And so to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> well, I know you love to travel. What's your favorite place to travel to? If I have to go favorite place to travel to, it's got to be uh, Japan because okay. I've been there multiple times and I love going back. I'm going back in, uh, it was the last place I went my big, last big international trip before, uh, COVID and the pandemic. And it's the first international trip that I'm going to have at the beginning of next year. I'm going to go uh, skiing in Niseko and I love it. Nice. That's awesome. And also the motherland. So I feel like, you know, I got to pay a little homage too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, that's great. (laughs) If, if a movie's made about your life, who would you want to play yourself? Oh my gosh. That's such a hard one. You know, you instantly, you know, it's like, oh, my God, who's who's an Asian female that could like actually sort of accurately depict me. But I'm not going to go there. You do. I'm like, Lucy Lou. I don't know. There's not that many. But um, I thought about I thought about this. It's a great one. But I thought Brie Larson might be a good one because she could you could see her backpacking and doing like the adventure travel fun circuit. I could see her suiting up, being a professional, doing the career thing. And yep. then I also think that she would just be somebody that I hope I am. Um, I've spent enough time there, but that would just be really fun at a bar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's kind of my, she's kind of my go-to right now. Um, I like it. I think of somebody better, I'll let you know. 
Well, you already talked about probably a bucket list for most on your travel end, but what's the last thing you completed on your bucket list? Um, gosh, nothing recently, unfortunately, <laughs> but I was scuba diving in uh, Brazil uh, on this island called Fernando de Noronha, and it's really special. It's really preserved. It's really hard to get to uh, from California, and uh, and our friends were um, getting married, and so the entire wedding party was uh, going to go scuba diving, including their like eighty-one-year-old grandfather. And That's so, amazing. yeah, so we got Patty certified, did all the classes because it's like we're not missing out on this. Yeah, and uh, and it was absolutely incredible, total bucket list, absolutely insane. No, that's awesome. Well, to close it out, Michelle, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Um, And I think this is going to summarize a lot of what I said before, but to be humble and hungry, to be curious and interesting, that kind of feeds off of itself, right? The more curious you are, the more interesting you become. Um, And then the last thing is to be present. I love it. You know, it's, it's that, that humble feeling, but also being hungry, keeping that passion, you know, again, your, your passion shows on this podcast, curious, you know, and, and interesting. I love that, you know, leads right into it, as you mentioned and being present. And I think that's a big piece. And you've talked about that, you know, 10, 12 minutes ago about being present both personally and professionally, and it goes such a long way with everybody. So Michelle, thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking to you. I certainly appreciate your time and your expertise. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for letting me hang out with you. Absolutely. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.